0: 52, what's chapter 8. I don't know. I'll, some of y'all's books are different. I think yours is like Pastors, I think. Pastors is the head of, ahead of this book. It's the church, chapter 8. Yep, that's his one. Okay. The night book is going to be like this too. I couldn't get all the same revisions, so half for one and half for the other, which makes it annoying when you're trying to. Follow yes, okay. yeah, I I mean, like pastors is different. This one, huh? Does it stop at chapter seven? My chapter four Really?
1: My chapter five is the church of tribulation.
0: Yeah. Which is chapter nine, and then there's still more after that.
1: Exactly. I walked to chapter seven. Wow. Because
0: the present age, the church, yeah. is my chapter four. It talks about the house and the temple and the body.
1: This is a first printing,
0: copyright nineteen fifty five. Oh wow. Okay. Well, Interesting. Chapter eleven, the underworld. Interesting. Okay. So welcome. Um Pastor is attending to the Arnold family. Yes. Uh keep them in your prayers. We'll try to pray for them tonight before we leave, as long as anything else that we might have. Um so hope everybody's having a wonderful day today. And uh, enjoying this nice hot Oklahoma weather. <laughs> um, so, chapter 8, the church. And we start off uh, in the second paragraph where it talks about the church is likened to a house, or, or rather, a household. Um Yes, yeah, so in first Timothy three fifteen uh we see in this passage the family aspect of the church, like one great household over which God presides in the circle of which we are to conduct ourselves praiseworthy. I like that how we don't just live like unruly children, yes. live live a life pleasing to our Savior. Uh, The church is is also compared to a temple. And I swear I put all these scriptures down, but I did not do a very good job. Um, Yeah, I don't. Mm Mm-hmm. I have scriptures, but they don't. Anyways, um, so we see in 1 Corinthians, yeah, one of us, I'll type it in here, you can pull it up, either one, I thought I was, yes. yes Um, so do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you if anyone defiles the temple of God God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy which temple are you is that something that we come to realize after we've been saved is that our body is no longer ours but our body belongs to the Lord because he paid the price and that our body is now holy. Mm. correct Um, so we are compared to holy temple for God's indwelling where he may manifest himself and where his glory can be displayed Um, we'll talk about that again later uh, a little bit later about what we are supposed to do as members of the body Um, but collectively his church is the place of his abode and we realize that his church is worldwide it's not a local thing it's not just the ones that you know that you see on Sunday Uh, the church is also compared to a body like the human body of which we as believers are members and he is the head this will be part of uh, overflow on Sunday night too um, since it is Father's Day service about the Abba Father, the father of the household, and so on. So, I really don't know what happened to my... I thought I was so prepared tonight. I have a whole lot of scriptures, but none of them are... uh, Anyways, maybe I'll find a corresponding scripture somewhere. So the tremendous importance of this relationship to a believer to believer and to our living head is revealed in Ephesians 4.6. The whole body is various parts closely fitting and firmly adhering to one another grows by the aid of every contributory link with power proportioned to the need of each individual part so as to build itself up in the spirit of love. That we each have some function to perform which contributes to the growth and health of the entire body of believers. Yes, we did. Yes, I was remembering our conversation as I was reading this. Um, so I like this in the first last paragraph on the on the next page where it talks about even the loss of a thumbnail can at least cause distressing inconvenience in the lack of ability to readily pick up small objects. This in turn may cause impatience and exasperation at the futile effort to pick up a pin. In the next paragraph, we see that Paul calls the church a mystery. Jesus spoke of this in Matthew 16, 13 through 19. The mystery of the church was fully revealed to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians Apparently, Bible Gateway does not put anything in order. Uh,
2: Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3 through 6, and that by divine revelation the mystery was made known to me, as I have already written in brief. By referring to this, when you read it, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not disclosed to mankind as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. It is this that the Gentiles are now joint heirs with Jews and members of the same body and joint partakers sharing in the same divine promise in Christ Jesus through their faith in the good news of salvation.
1: Amen. right and the Jews are all, oh, we're gonna that part.
0: <laughs> still still to this day <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, uh in Isaiah Isaiah 11:10 And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people for the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. Um, One God. God, Jew and Gentile. Yes. Um, So Romans 9.24. Uh, the church was unknown to the prophets. To Paul was revealed that God purposed to form one body of both Jews and Gentiles. In Ephesians. Yeah. Ephesians chapter two, 12 through
1: 16.
0: Yes, sir, since apparently I have nothing that I should have brought with me. Okay, yes, go please.
2: Remember that at that time, you were separated from Christ, excluded from any relationship with him, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, with no share in the sacred messianic promise, and without knowledge of God's God's agreements, having no hope in his promise, and living in the world without God. But now, at this very moment in Christ Jesus... You who, want, you who once were so very far away from God have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He who made both groups, Jew and Gentile, into one body and broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism between us, by abolishing in his own crucified flesh the hostility caused by the law, With its commandments contained in ordinances which he satisfied, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing peace, and that he might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentile, united into one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the hostility.
0: Thank you, Colin. Okay, so in the second paragraph from the top, the church is being perfected by the various ministries, which are found in Ephesians 4, which we don't have to read. For the day of Christ appearing when, when she, his body, will be a perfect medium for the manifestation of Christ as Christ manifested the Father, so will the church be relatively a perfect manifestation, manifestation of Christ, filled and permitted with, permeated with his very life. Any comments so far because the next section is really lovely
3: just that I think it's a few paragraphs back when you were talking about like the thumbnail um, you know and and how in you know the scriptures it had said that like no no one role is more important than the other you know that yes. kind of thing and I think that's a, a big issue in the church now um, is that it's it's this all or nothing mentality either I'm a like a the lead pastor, or youth pastor, or I'm just coming when I feel like it. Like there's no, you know, there's no thumbnail, <laughs> you know, <there's, laughs> nobody wants to be the thumbnail and it's really it's hard. Either, it's either, the, it's either you're the heart or you're,
0: the, or you're dead on so the side. Yeah, know.
3: yeah, it's, it, there's, there's no middle ground and I feel like that's why we lose a lot of functionality as a church um, because we don't have everyone wanting to be a moving part because everybody wants to be, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Almost to the point of uh almost that some of our narcissistic society is infiltrating into our church. It's
2: it's it's become all about being about church, not about God, not about what I can do for God but what the church can do
1: for me. Yeah. It's called pride. See, see, understanding, uh, especially from Lisa's point of view, uh, being a soldier, when I was part of the armed forces in the Navy, we learned from the very beginning in boot camp that we were a team team includes everybody and the only thing that you have to do because we're not human doings we are human beings is to be under the blood the unfortunate reality is that from the shoulders up sometimes that gets in the way because the people's Thoughts of, well, why can't I be up on the stage? Or why can't I be this or that? Because I think I'm just as qualified or whatever. You know, the unfortunate reality is that we're supposed to humble ourselves before his mighty hand. And he will lift us up in due time. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And if only the church as a whole, all of us individuals that have an individual relationship with Christ would understand that. And how much less work would there be for everyone if everyone just picked up their little piece of the rope? Oh you know. what a what a winning winning. Anchor, you would be to the tug of rope on society and the world. Because just like we've been hearing, we need to stand up. We need to stand up.
2: I, I do think that it's a combination of pride and um, letting the devil talk you out of it.
1: That yeah.
3: too,
2: absolutely. Because there's, because for the long, for yeah. the longest time, the reason why I didn't go into ministry whenever I was a kid is like I'm not good enough. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran because I was like I'm. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no good person, you know, I've I've not lived a life, yeah, well, well, but it's only as time went by that it, 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 yeah, well, but, you know, I didn't read my Bible, so I didn't understand how, how real that actually was, so, or how, how normal that actually was, so. So I think it 's a combination you have the you have the the narcissist and you have and you have the 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 self deprecator so it, it 's a combination of the two and and like whenever whenever God called me back in ministry i said okay i 'm just going to be there you pu- you put me where you want me yeah <laughs> it's like i 'm just going to be there, you put me where you want, yeah the obedience." <laughs> Yes, sir.
0: Hello, Pastor. So, um, on to the bride. So, the first Adam had his bride, which we know how that went. The rib and woman. Um, And so, the second Adam... Will have a bride also. And the second Adam is well, one was death, one is life. Pictures a wonderful scene in heaven where a kingly bridegroom will take unto himself his bride in a holy spiritual wedlock. The most beautiful type of Christ and his bride is given us in the story of how Isaac got his bride in Genesis twenty-four. And we won't read all that because it's quite long. But in the scriptures, Abraham seems to be a type of God the Father, Sarah a type of Israel, Isaac a type of Jesus, Eliezer a type of the Holy Spirit, Rebecca a type of the Church, and Keturah, whom Abraham married after the death of Sarah, a type of Israel restored and faithful. I love the typology and symbology when you read the Bible. So in the Old Testament, Israel is the wife of Jehovah, of Israel. Um, The book of of Hosea is really uh, good on that um, depiction. It is said, the maker is thy husband. But upon her repentance, she will be restored to his divine favor. In the New Testament, the church is the bride of Christ. Israel is to abide in the earthly Jerusalem during the millennium, while the abode of the saints, the church, will be that glorious city which John saw coming down from heaven, the new Jerusalem, which we read about in Revelations 21, that I printed out, but now I don't find it. Just start, stop. Then I saw a new
2: heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. They had vanished, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, see. The tabernacle, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. <clears throat> and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will, be, there will no longer be death. There will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain, for the former order of things has passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write, for for these words are faithful and true. They are accurate, incorruptible, and and trustworthy.
0: Amen. Amen. So I'm going to share a little bit, if if nobody knew, because we know that the, the disciples were Galileans. And the Galileans had separate traditions outside of even the Jewish people. And one of those specific traditions relates so much and so closely to the parables of Jesus, especially when you start talking about the bride. So one thing is they had to make their betrothal at the city gates because that was the central hangout. So as a result, that's where the betrothal took place since witnesses were required to establish a covenant witnesses, just like when we publicly confess Jesus as our Savior. So um, so the next step in the process requires the groom to pour out a cup of wine and give it to his bride. The groom reverently gives the cup of wine to his bride with both hands, and the bride accepts it in the same way. In the betrothal, this cup is referred to as the cup of joy for good reason, for the bride drinking from the cup would likely lead to a life of joy and motherhood, whereas declining the cup would often mean a life of uh, unwedlock and servitude. So... The greatest thing from this is that if she drinks from the cup, the the betrothal will proceed. But if she declines, then there will be no wedding. This aspect alone is unique to the Galileans. Because as we do now in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are the bride. We have the choice to say, I accept you, I will marry you, or no, I don't want it. Yes, and that goes into uh, a lot of things um, such as in Matthew 26 when it talks about how uh, because the, the bridegroom would make the comment aloud if she took of the cup that you are now consecrated to me by the laws of Moses and I will not drink of the cup again until I drink it anew with you in my father's house and then as they were sitting, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I love how things work out it's like he did it on purpose. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. Um so now we move on to the origin. So as to the origin of church, and this has stemmed some contention within within the church. Um not so much now. But The contention of the Roman Catholic Church, that the church was founded upon Peter, and that the popes are his successors, is not born from Scripture. The name Peter is from the Greek word Petros, which means, according to the distinction observed in classical Greek, a fragment of rock. While the Greek word Petra, used in this same passage, means a massive rock and is used of a ledge of rocks or a rocky peak. The name Petros is clearly distinguished from the confessions of Peter. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, which upon as a fundamental article of faith, or upon Christ himself, the rock, the church was to be founded. We have scriptures of this. Which I cannot find. Colin, you want to pull one up? Pull up Acts four eleven, and somebody else want to pull up Peter two, three through eight. First Peter, thank you, Acts four,
2: chapter four, verse eleven. Uh, This Jesus is the stone which was despised and rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone.
0: Ready? Yeah. Uh,
3: You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you're a living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God, as the scriptures say. I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them.
0: Amen. I love how that was put. So, moving on, who belongs to the church? Open question.
2: I was gonna people,
1: second that. <laughs> well, people think they belong to the church, but those that are born again and believe in Jesus as the Savior and Lord of their life are truly the church. It's kinda like what Terry was talking about the book of the Philadelphians and the Laodiceans. You know, we have the Apostle church and then we have the true church so when you ask an open question of who belongs to the church those that belong to Jesus and declare him Christ and Lord are the ones that really belong to the church the other ones are the goats Good one, Pastor. Well, you can fill out your check mark there, (laughs) Mr. David. We know that you're born again. Has anybody been to a church like that? That's like what he told Nicodemus. Jesus said, You must be born again. Mm -hmm. How can you be a teacher of Israel and not know the things of the Spirit? So, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit makes you part of the church. Mm -hmm. That's the only qualification. And oh, how wonderful it is. Well, isn't that the the whole question? Uh, Didn't he say that God so loved the world that, you know, he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes? That's the key word for everybody. That's the choice we all make. Those that believe him without seeing him and love him all the more are the chosen, the priestly, the true followers, the true church the ones that are throwing themselves on the cornerstone saying please build me up because that's what the word says isn't it brother John
0: yes (laughs) sorry Um, (laughs) yes so pastor touched on something with that comment that that goes right back to religion. That if you're not a member of a particular sect, group, or people, surely you can't be good enough to be saved, right?
3: I, yeah, I was actually going to tack tack on to that a second ago. I'm glad you said that. You know, it might seem like semantics sometimes the way we put stuff, just you know, language or whatever. But you know, saying well, who belongs to versus who is the, you know, it's this. This mentality of, well, I mean, I belong to House of Restoration. I go there on Sunday. I attend the events, and I do the things. But who is the church? Like, who's walking it out? You know what I mean? Not necessarily who just belongs, like who chills in the seats on Sundays, but who who walks it out? Who is the church? And that's the living, breathing bride of Christ. Those are the ones out there being the hands and feet of Jesus, the ones actually walking out the word.
0: Excellent point. The church or the true church, as Pastor puts it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> there, that, yeah, that's it. Our names on the roll. Yes.
2: Yeah. The when the roll is called up yonder, it doesn't matter which church you go to. It doesn't matter which membership you have. Yeah, he ain't going to the pastors and getting their and getting their rolls and saying, okay, we'll just fold it into ours. was actually just about to mention them because they believe that only 144,000 of them are going and there's there's 14 million of
0: them. But then if you read Scripture about the 144,000, it doesn't even match.
1: They have canceled that order now. They say that there's going to be a a heaven on earth for the normal Jehovah's Witness and the 144,000 is already completed because in the the late 80s, they thought there was about 8,500 left that were going to go to Special place that the 144,000 was because they've rewritten. You know, it was it was ironic that they're using part of the letter to Timothy to establish their uh, rule that Christ came back in 1904 or 1914. 1914 is when he came back to Earth, and he's been he's been hidden away, and only the eight in New York know where he is, <laughs> and they are direct lines to his doctrine, and that's how he feeds the rest of the. Uh, congregation, and that everything else that's in the Bible that we read—you know, the first, the real Bible, the you know, no the, one is, one. <laughs> the one that was you know written for us by in Hebrew, um, yeah, uh, you know, long, long time ago, uh, not the one that was written in 1867 yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, they say that. They have brought about this new this new thing and that they that's what they that's what they go out and they work for because it's all based on works what i do to earn my way into their religion has is going to get me into their afterlife just like oh just like a tremendous amount of other religions
2: well that's that's not much different than than uh oh my goodness what's his name john smith joseph smith has uh-huh. to stick the golden tablets inside of his hat and then interpret them to his yeah. assistant, so that uh, the new gospel can
0: be gleaned.
1: John MacArthur talk about that the other
0: day? Yeah, if you There's dive into, million you dive into the LDS and the Mormons, and you realize that it goes as far as that Satan and Christ were brothers. Were brothers. One had to be chosen. Well, one didn't do so right, so that one's coming now to redeem. But it's completely backwards. We won't go in we won't go into a whole that's a whole sermon set on that, but Just as you were talking, as we've been talking for the past few minutes here, that goes right back into what we're talking about Sunday, what Terry talks about. You can't make the Bible adhere to your life. Exactly. One of the greatest excuses I've heard recently is that, "Well, the Bible was written over two thousand years ago; it's not relevant to today's standards." <laughs> oh, really? Mm. It's like more relevant now than you know, it interestingly enough, in Revelation when they talk about the two
1: witnesses. When they talk about the two witnesses that start their ministry as soon as the Antichrist signs the treaty to give peace to the Middle East. He's walking into one side of Jerusalem, and the two witnesses start their ministry on the other side. And they, for 1260 days, declare Christ as the Messiah to whoever will listen and whoever will change, three and a half years, and then they are slain. And everyone in the world is going to see their bodies. It says this in Revelation. Everyone in the world will see their bodies laying in the streets. How is that going to be possible? Because look what's in your pocket right now. Everybody has a video camera. Everybody can see what's going on. And you know what else is they're going to see? They're going to see them raised from the dead and taken from this earth. All on video, and it's going to be shared throughout the world. Yep. So don't tell me it ain't relevant today. They talked about cell phones two thousand years ago. <laughs> it says
0: they will even be so happy and rejoicing they will send presents and gifts to each other. Uh, okay, we got to move on. The church period extends from Pentecost to rapture of the saints. Um, Therefore, those who make up the church or the bride of Christ must be those of or of those who are saved between these two events. What are the two events? Pentecost and rapture. So where does that put the Old Testament saints? Not belonging to the church, however, God has ordained a vital relationship between the Old Testament saints and the outcalling by the gospel, as we read in Hebrews 11.40. Anybody want to pull that up real quick? So, we would hesitate to follow too closely to the analogies of a wedding in interpreting the details of the heavenly marriage. The following is suggestive. A wedding, there not, are not only the bride and bridegroom, but the groomsmen, bridesmaids, guests, etc. John the Baptist, representing the Old Testament saints, speaks of himself as the friend of the bridegroom. And then we see in Revelation it says, Blessed are they who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And if you go back to the Galilean wedding fest, once the father of the bridegroom tells his son to go get his bride, he blows a chauffeur through the town. And the bridegrooms have spent the, the bridesmaids have spent the whole time being ready, making the dress, having oil in their lampstands. You, you know, you can see the scriptural tie-ins already. Ready for when they hear it. Once they hear it, they jump up. And those who are ready in the town can go into the bride grooms, father's house and the doors are closed for a time and that's when the marriage of the Lamb takes place when the tribulation is taking place on earth so what is the mission of the church to get everyone as much as we can to get ready God never intended the church to be a social organization. In so many aspects today, we see that exact thing happening with our churches. It's about entertaining rather than instructing.
2: That's why I, I say to, to the youth upstairs, "It's like this is—we're not here to have, to have social club." we are here to learn about god
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and that is my responsibility as a youth pastor is to make sure that you walk out of here with at least more knowledge of god even if it's just a a tittle of information the dot above a, a, a dot above an i if it's even if it's just a little bit more information a little bit more knowledge of god my job is done but that's my responsibility it's not to entertain you. It's not to keep you busy while your parents do what they want to do. It's I'm not your babysitter. Right. I
0: am your teacher. Yep. <laughs> okay. This next part says the church is not primarily to be engaged in making this present world the ultimate utopia. Now beside that I wrote today.
3: You mean giving everybody what they want so they'll keep coming back?
0: Yes, customized, what was it, Pastor? There you go. Yes, sir. God has called his church to be a beacon of light in this dark world to guide men to eternal safety. We are not entertainers, babysitters, as Colin said. We have a specific purpose and plan set before us. She is to be a preserving element like salt to retard corrupting influences in society. How much have we dropped the ball on that one? (laughs) Flaming evangelists proclaiming God's message of salvation to the lost world. I love that one. So, that uh, pretty much closed up chapter 8. A very important chapter, the whole betrothal I uh, wish we had more time to spend on all that, but the whole, man, the whole preparation, the whole wedding, the whole bridegroom and bride—that we are the bride—that he will come back for us. That he wants to prepare a place. That where he is, he will come back to get us. That we may be there with him. Also, uh, there's so much. There's so much that just puts that reassuring hope in you that your your bridegroom is coming back to get you, and it's going to be so blessed and wonderful you just can't imagine. Um, every passing day uh, this is something I wrote beside it but every passing day uh, I grow more and more um, troubled and feel as I'm not a part of this world but the call to share the gospel is stronger than the call to go hide in my room so chapter 9 another very important chapter how does the church fit in in the tribulation this is another huge topic of debate among churches nowadays you have pre trib mid trib post trib all the trib i mean they you depending on who you talk to you're going to have a different for everything go ahead jeff so that they, they say it's going to be, so they want to be in it. It's like, it's
2: like something they're, I don't know. I don't know, I just, you Yeah. You got pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip,
1: but you also have pre-millennial, amillennial, yep. and post-millennial, yep. which is a whole different
2: ballgame. That's mm-hmm.
0: the uh, city of God, city of man, style, style. <laughs> there are so many tie-ins from scripture to reference pre-trib one of the last Sundays I got to speak on Sunday morning I did a sermon blessed hope Hope for the new year and it was tie-ins from Old Testament to New Testament that blessed hope, that reassurance that you're not left here to go through the coming wrath but so many people will argue until they cannot argue anymore that they're going to go through the tribulation that's what I say I look at him in the face and I say, I'm so sorry you want to go through that. Why do you want to experience the wrath of God? If you know how much he loves you, why not go? Well, Pastor? Oh, well, and, and my thing is, is every time I hear somebody talk about,
2: you know, that God's not, you know, that, that God's not going to spare his people from the wrath of tri- the great tribulation, but I remember a particular part in Revelation where he says that those days will be cut short because even the uh, to spare his people. very, elect. Yeah, very elect. Well, not even that. But there's a part where it, it, it's talking about God's wrath. I'm trying to remember exactly what it says, but that those days will be the days of of tribulation will be cut short to to spare his people. Yeah, I am gonna I, I need to look it up.
0: I, I think another. To, I think another version of it says to, and to spare mankind. If if not, then all mankind would be wiped out because of the coming wrath of the Lord. So he cuts his days short. That's one thing that I think a lot of churches still haven't grasped is how much God actually loves His children. Um, so uh, Christ will be raised from the dead and along with those those believers living at the end of the age will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air when the trump of God sounds Jesus himself in his conversation with Martha at the time of Lazarus death makes this clear distinction not always apprehended in reading these verses but John eleven twenty five and 26 to those who have died in him He is the resurrection, the power to call them forth from the realm of of dead to those alive at his coming. He is the life, the energy sufficient to change in the twinkling of an eye from bodies of limitation to glorified bodies. Isn't that something that he you read the Bible for what it is, and you see how God had laid out the plan, and you go all the way through the Bible to Revelation and you see just how He makes the plan work. And the plan is about your salvation. That He can that you can spend eternity with Him. He loves you that much that throughout all this history, throughout all this earth, throughout everything else, that he has put a plan in place for you.
2: It's actually, um, it's actually Matthew. I was saying Revelation, but it's actually Matthew. And it's Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 through 23. Uh, for at that time there will be a great tribulation, pressure, distress, oppression. Such as not has occurred such has not such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now nor will ever again and if those days of tribulation had not been cut short no human life would be saved but for the sake of the elect God's chosen ones those days will be shortened then if anyone says to you during the tri- during the great tribulation look here is the Christ or there he is do not believe it
0: on uh, on the mount also on the mount of transfiguration Moses was representative of those who have died and Elijah of those who did not taste death both sharing the same destiny some misconceptions concerning the Lord's return and this is important we understand everyone in this room understands it's two separate events right Yes. because this is another form of false doctrine in our churches and you see so many people that are not saved or confused that that ask, "Well, how how can this be?" Because they're not ever taught that the rapture is a separate event outside of the second coming of Jesus Christ. With Amen. That's it. Yes, sir. Yes. So, concerning the question, huh? Yeah,
1: question. Um, Okay. First of all, we all know that Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. And God himself told Moses to die. Okay? Because he buried him. Right? So, how considering that we've never found the grave of Moses nobody's ever no archaeologist no human being has ever found the grave of Moses is it possible that in the burying of Moses even though Moses endured death that God just didn't take him so he could show up on the mount of transfiguration for to represent the old saints exactly That's right. But that that it I mean it just it goes I mean it could have been it could have been anybody, you know, but Moses he specifically stated in scripture that he buried Moses and and hid the tomb. And then he just took him to heaven right then. You know, because that's the way he showed up. I mean, he could have used Enoch. You know, because Enoch was just taken Enoch was just like we're walking together and say hey come over to my house and then he just stayed you know but uh, Moses being there to represent death and life or the Old Testament states yeah mm-hmm. but that, that just it just it struck me the other day on, on reading that that portion that uh, it's amazing that after somebody had experienced death, that his body was there and and that they knew him. It isn't like they had, you know, a photobomb. They didn't know, but they knew who they were. You know, they had never seen a picture of Moses, I don't think. You know, they didn't have Polaroids, but they knew exactly who they were. Let us make a tent for Moses and Elijah. How would they have known that except for the Spirit?
0: Spirit of truth, right? So, as Pastor mentioned earlier, that uh, in the rapture, yeah. Yeah. we go up, and in the, in the um, second coming, we are with him. So, if the Lord is to come with his saints, as pictured in Revelations 19, 8-14, he must have first gathered them into himself, right? And since we are to rule and reign with him on the earth, our place during the millennial age must have been assigned to us previous to the revelation. Pre tribulation rapture is certainly logical and reasonable. I agree completely. <laughs> uh, the argument against anything other than pre trib is, is really just. <laughs> yes. Yes. Maybe it's in a
3: time. I meant, like, translating into the- oh yeah, okay. it's
0: all it's all correct <laughs> At the same time. So uh, I think there's seven. Try to get through this last bit pretty quick here. Um, yeah, seven, seven um reasons scriptural itself that we believe the church will not go through the tribulation first. Uh, We look in vain through the word for specific mention of the church in connection with the tribulation. There isn't one. Israel is identified therewith. The nations are so identified, and so are ungodly individuals, but not the church as the body of true believers. Second, the book of Revelation deals mainly with the last seven years of this age, Daniel's 70th 70th week. After having recorded in chapter 1 his vision of the glorified Christ, and in chapters 2 and 3, the seven churches, which represent... Their sevenfold unity, the entire church dispensation from Pentecost to Rapture, John begins to unfold in chapter four. What will be after this? Literally, after these things, this is after the church period. The church is taken away. Third, uh, in Revelations two, the promise to. Uh, um, there you go. Uh, Will give him the morning star in Revelation twenty-two. The promise to the overcomer seems to refer to the aspect of the reward in Christ, embraced in his being gathered to the Lord's presence before the sunrise of the kingdom. And if one desires to see the morning star, he must rise early, because it appears at the darkest hour of the night, just before dawn begins to break. Yeah, they're they're starting to split up, though. Well, 2030 is when...
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think, I'll have to look into that, but I think, I think, I think, I think in like the next, less than a decade, Less than a, de- I think it's less than a decade. All the planets will be lined up with the sunrise, which is like a once in you know, which is also once in a in a in a millennium. Well, <laughs> once in a, like I think ten thousand years or something like that occurrence,
0: which is uh, you know ties in really good to man's depicted end of twenty thirty with floods and the moon approaching uh, encroaching upon the earth and anyways yeah. uh, so fourth is the, the Philadelphia church the true church of the last days yeah. says I, will, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth we're, we're going to keep going here but I just want to reiterate there are so many promises of God that you're not going to go through the wrath coming upon the ungodly and the non-believers. Fifth, the tribulation time is distinctively a time of judgment, a time of wrath, visited upon an ungodly world, an apostate church, in a backslidden Israel. The assurance of the Lord to his own is that they shall not come into condemnation. Judgment that God hath appointed us, has not appointed us unto wrath. We shall be saved from the wrath through him, Jesus, that the believer is delivered from the wrath to come. Six, the tribulation while affecting the whole earth is specifically mentioned in connection with Israel. And seventh, the promise to the church concerning her gathering unto the Lord is signless and timeless, but there are many signs that accompany the second coming of Christ. But the rapture, there is no preeminent circumstance that has to happen before we are taken away. Day or the hour but the Father. Yes. Amen. So finishing up yep. finishing up, uh, much more might be said concerning this phase of dispensational truth, but space for forbids and exhaustive discussion cannot be entertained. We might say in conclusion of this particular subject, that the typical teaching of the Old Testament lends emphasis to the view that the church will not go through the tribulation reiterated again Old and New Testament both point to this yes the days of Noah and the days of Lot Uh, between the days of Noah at the time of the flood and the days of Lot when God overthrew the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah Enoch has always been regarded as a type of the raptured saints when he was and was not well, so in relation to the flood before, during and after certainly before God's fiery judgment upon the cities of the plain did not fall until after righteous Lot had departed he surely will regard with favor his true saints of the last days when he visits with retribution the ungodly at the close of this age. And I thought the correlation between Joseph was pretty interesting too. Uh, Joseph, a recognized type of Christ, who married As- Asenath, a Gentile bride during the time of rejection by his brethren, and before the famine... Christ marries his bride mainly Gentile during the time of his rejection by Israel his brethren and before the tribulation so I wanted to get a little farther than that but those two chapters the the marriage and then the church's role or not role in the tribulation are so critical they're fundamental doctrine of what should be taught but so many is not and there's so much confusion and debate that reigns among senior pastors and church members throughout this nation it's just it's crazy how much argumentation is made over what should be simple biblical doctrine Taken out, the restrainer's taken away. Yeah, hmm.
3: yeah, and and I, I think a lot of people just don't want to accept that because there's this inability to accept criminal consequences. They're not, but you know what I mean, like really intense consequences.
0: You, yeah, you bring up a great point in, in, in knowing that, and I I agree with that, and to, to a, a large degree. And then you wonder why are they? Why do they remain so easily steadfast in their sin now, if in their minds they know that they don't want that taken away? but they won't. They believe it Yeah.
3: Well, and it's not, it's not even so much always that. Like, I actually know a pastor, um, and I love her. Like, and she's, she's so smart, and she. but she is just knee-deep planted in uh, uh, mid-trip, I believe. Uh, you know, and it just, and it makes my brain hurt a little bit because it's like on every other, doctrinal point, she's just solid, and then you, you get there, and it's just like, I, I don't know how you got from here, I don't, where's your, your math is different than my, I don't know, <laughs>
1: Thessalonians,
2: yes. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way, referring to the church,
0: taken out. Yeah. I don't know if I can grab the verse before that, but it's another, a, another uh, scriptural uh, reference. didn't think about that one that's, that's a good point i actually didn't think about that
2: and there was there will still be some get saved even during the tribute. the souls oh, yeah. under the altar oh, yeah. you know but M- more than remember maybe than grandma or grandpa or something and oh man this
0: Yeah, there'll be a large a large amount of people that will refuse the beast system and refuse exactly, the martyr.
1: Because of the conviction, because the Holy Spirit's not really going to be here, but there's going to be preaching of the gospel yeah. because that's what the two witnesses are going to be doing. And there's going to be the 144,000 that are talking to yeah. the Jews. So there's going to be the changeover, and those people are not going to take the mark, so they're going to be martyred after the three and a half years of peace. So, you know, those going to be the people under the under the throne. You know, but the, honestly, oh, amen. amen. Yeah, we're going on the that. first first bus. Amen. Yeah, but the, oh no. But it's just, it's the it's the immortality and pride and arrogance of man to think that I'm just going to put this off because that's truly what it is. If we actually knew the date and time and hour. Jack Hibbs announced, he talked about this. He said that if everybody knew, then they'd be like the thief on the cross. Yeah. they go, oh, it's We're that time. But, exactly. But
0: yeah. They, they would live as ungodly as they could until the very last right, minute. Right, because they, they, they think be. that
1: because of giving in to the flesh is so much fun. It's
0: so much easier. To
1: not is it? Is it? His way is better, his way is better, well, having you know <laughs> trod that path till it's you know three miles wide, those of us that have lived, you know, oh, this way is better, the chosen is much better, as John would put it, be the chosen, you know it knowing the servitude of the flesh and searching for that filling from the flesh that was never received and to know that laying all that aside and bowing my knees to the Lord and Savior and finally getting that filling was the best. And I've been high on every drug you can think of. I've been so drunk I can't stand up. And I've done all kinds of debaucherous things that I am very, I was, in my old flesh, very ashamed of. And to wash that away with the belief in my Lord Jesus is the best buzz ever. And I will never, ever forget what that ever filling, loving feeling of being overflowing by the Holy Spirit that will never leave me forever
0: and you want to share it and you want others to feel it and experience it you
1: you share it consistency
0: your heart breaks when when you see them going down the same rabbit hole that you went down and you just want to grab them and love them and show them
1: yeah that's why we're here and that's why we're pawns in the big game. You know, God moves us wherever he wants to. We are his handiwork. We're his workmanship. We're the ones that are going forth to share what he has given. Because that's what we don't have when we're children. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child, and I talked like a child. But now that I'm a man, I've put away childish things. And I know whose I am. And that tells me who I am. And it is easier... To go out and show people consistency and the thrill of victory every day because they don't understand how anybody can be as happy all the time until they ask because that's really what it's all about yes I want some of what you got and I said well let me show you the book And you get, you find opportunities. You just find, you find people to witness to. You find, you just end up talking about the Lord all the time. And you don't even, you don't even realize. And this is in the, you know, this is in the Bible, I understand. But, dude, there's a lot of people that.